So this evening I'd like to offer some reflections uh, on the theme of contentment. Can everybody hear me okay? Yeah, okay. Ah, uh, good. I, um, I was uh, reflecting this afternoon how I was remembering uh, uh, one of my teachers, John Peacock, described the dharmas like a blancmange. Do you know what blancmange is? Is that an American thing? It's like a jelly, like a, a, a kind of big jelly with made with milk and jelly, jello. So it's like a big jelly. Jello? A jello, right. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. It's like wherever you, wherever you touch it, you press it, the whole thing wobbles, right? So that sense of how these different themes in our practice, you know, in our experience in the Dharma, the different teachings, it's kind of like they're all connected, right? It's all sort of somehow resonant and connects with all the other teachings. And so I think sometimes um, maybe that's why like Dharma talk feels like it ought to be about three weeks long, really, because it just sort of really do justice to the the whole of the the topic because it really touches on the whole of the Dharma. And uh, I was thinking of different people, different teachers or uh, different, maybe deal with that, you know, in different ways at, at different times, you know, I think maybe sometimes that's why Dharma talks are so long, you know. And I was thinking also perhaps it's sometimes why they're so short. I have this fantasy that I've never yet indulged here that I would come in and just like do the Zen thing and hold up a flower. You know, say, that's the talk. <laughs> Eat that. <laughs> right? The whole of the Dharma. Here's, here it is. You know, it's kind of true in a way. Isn't it? It's, but I'm not going to do that, so don't worry. And uh, so, um, yeah, so it sort of has, has that sense. Like I always had got this image of like I'm picking up the contentment basket. And then when I start looking at it... Um, that it, it's like it's made of all the different parts of the Dharma. You know, if you look, oh, there's the the basket. Is like there's the wisdom strand, right? There's the the ethical sort of, you know, the maybe the framework that the thing is sort of woven around, or that actually, and, and I, you know, can only sort of maybe just pull on a few of those thread this, this e- threads this evening in, in, that, in terms of that theme. So just as always, really invite you to listen in that kind of grounded, spacious way where you, you don't feel like you have to necessarily pick up anything and chew on it, but just listening perhaps for what resonates, for what feels relevant or, you know, what sort of wobbles your jello. A little bit. <laughs> oh, there's all that. Yeah, that wobbles bright. Okay, something there, supportive or challenging, or you know, like what or yeah. So I also I sometimes um, to sort of offer a summary of the talk in in one very brief teaching. Um, so. If you fall asleep because it's so hot or you're really tired or something or you get bored, then if you just remember this phrase, it's like getting a holographic kind of principle. If you look into that, you'll see the whole of the talk. 
So this comes from, I hope I'm remembering this correctly, it's somebody who, who was talking to Ram Das, a teacher um, who was writing a book on contentment, I think, and this person asked him, you know, could you just sum it up for me? What's, what's the, you know, what's the nugget, what's the essence of, of this, of your book, of this teaching? And so I think Ram Das paused, thought for a moment, and then said this, Plumb the depths of this moment. Plumb the depths of this moment. So we could just stop there, but um, I'm going to keep talking. But you can stay with that if you like. Yeah, I. uh, My sense is that when we're beginning to engage and inquire and wonder what what did the buddha mean or you know what what does what what does the what is the part of contentment or what what's the meaning of that in our practice what's being pointed to here yeah and and i think that when i every time i kind of revisit this theme i I have a, a sense of, and I guess again, this is true with all the all the Dharma themes in a way. The, the 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 qualities of heart that they point to have has this tremendous potential depth, this potential for freedom, this potential for really helping us to find a way of living and of being in this life, you know, which is uh, wholesome, beneficial for ourselves and others. And I think, you know, there's a lot here. And, you know, one of my nicknames used to be the malcontent. So, you know how sometimes you're drawn to themes where it's like, yeah, no wonder I'm interested in contentment. Is it, it's so much of my life, or maybe the conditioning or the temperament, it's like, you know, such a strong tendency to, to, to malcontent, to discontent. And so often I find this a really lovely, fruitful theme to reflect upon or to, to kind of look for that sense of contentment. Maybe, maybe it's, it's more often here, even, even a little bit than, than I might think. Um, but one thing that strikes me again, um, revisiting the theme is well I, I just want to begin by saying a little bit about what I think that the, the what the when the Buddha is talking about this and I want to share a teaching from him in a bit like there's there's something quite radical being pointed to some kind of very different way of seeing and relating to you know um, things, possessions, food, lodging, uh, everything really, it's like the, the, the material stuff of our life and, and also our practice. And that there's a sense of contentment that is not to do with a kind of, um, you know, really in the, in the, in the conditions of our life, of our mind, of our retreat, <laughs> of our body, oh, you know, being how we want them to be, you know, 
which would basically be good, pleasant, clear. <laughs> it's like that whole list of how, you know, it surely will ought to be and surely we, we're going to get there sometime. And um, then, then, then I'll be content. <sighs> the great mythical arrival in the sky or wherever it is. And this, you know, I, I find sometimes this just sets the hair on the back of my neck, you know, it stands up. It's like there is this happiness or this well-being or this some kind of, of, of real sweetness or okayness, which is genuinely not dependent on conditions being any particular way. It's like, really? <laughs> wow. So I, I, I find this again, like so many of the teachings, when you really hear them, it's like a kind of, wow, really? I think, what would, oh, okay. Um, and I wanted to share with you, as uh, Susan has done, and uh, a poem from early Buddhist, an early Buddhist nun, I'm going to share another one later from a, a version of these poems uh, a, a friend is working on at the moment. So I'd like to share this one from a nun called Badra, Lucky. You always considered yourself lucky because things seemed to work out the way you wanted. Now, luck has a different meaning. Lucky to be walking a path that finds peace in the arising and passing away of each present moment, regardless of how things work out or don't. Yeah, I just feel myself taking a moment to let the the beauty and the depth and the sense of a voice speaking to us of a woman who practiced so long ago you know, speaking to us now. And, um, you know, sometimes um, maybe you've heard uh, with the uh, qualities of the Brahma Viharas, you might have heard sometimes people speak about, I think it's commentarily sort of near enemies of, of, of that, of those great qualities. And so I wanted to sort of just touch a little bit on maybe the near enemies of contentment, you know, what we can kind of get drawn into or mistake for that with our worldly foolishness. 
in operation. So again, not with judgment, but just with, again, this kind of maybe intention to discern, to really, to really know, to, 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 to be open, to understand what's really being pointed to here. So I, you know, there's this, this worldly state of, of uh, uh, sensory satisfaction, <laughs> which yeah, is part of life, isn't it? You know, I was, one of the things I always think about is like, you know, the, the, the comfortableness or like when you curl up in bed or something, it's like, ah, you know, yeah. Or a really good curry, which is one of mine, you know. Whatever you, you know, you're... And it's, again, it's, it's kind of that comfort, that comfort sort of seeking. Um, that's, that's something different. Again, not to judge, not to say this shouldn't be in life, because it is. But to know that that is not what's being referred to here. Or, what I, I, I'm trying to, like, putting up with, or a sort of unwilling, you know, like I grew up a bit with this in my foster family with food. It's like, you eat what's on your plate and you like it. Right. <laughs> Be content with that, you know, or you know that if that is part of your conditioning at all. It's this sort of I, I was, yeah, I haven't maybe fully understood understood that, but I think certainly it's it leaves a certain sort of almost sort of um, a, a, an echo or mm, conditioning of of you know I can't really choose or I can't really take care of myself you know I can't really I have to put up with you know I have to just so I think this is a very interesting one the discernment you know how much do we sometimes maybe it's actually skillful and necessary for us to anyway take care of our needs and ask for what we want and, and all that and then maybe sometimes again maybe the skillfulness of knowing when and when not and and how this is so I, I give an example from many many years ago but it just it feels so poignant um as a young person at university i found myself i won't go into the whole story but i found myself with a that you know you this shared house situations and i didn't really have any stuff much and i've and I, I found myself with this duvet that was too short for my body so either I have pulled it up and my feet were sticking out, or if I pulled it down over my feet, then I was like, it was, you know, the top of my body got cold. And I, it, 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 to me, it's an example of that. I think it would have been skillful probably to have got a longer duvet. <laughs> you know? But do you see what I mean? It's like there can be this ideological thing that tells you, you've got to just, you know, put up with... And um, what is that? That's almost maybe getting a bit into the ascetic thing, the sort of self-mortification. Maybe maybe that's part of what I'm picking up on there that doesn't feel totally skillful. And I think, you know, part of on retreat, which I, I think is so, and, and I'm sure in the monastic life, in a way I, I can't know about because I've never been ordained, but this sense of voluntarily, like taking on the simplicity that difference between that and what is imposed, you know, and not chosen, 
and 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 how yeah that that's not again it's it's the it's i don't think it's the kind of contentment that the buddha is pointing to like this contentment teaching i'll show us comes often it comes in the grad graduated training that the buddha offers you know it's quite early on in the training the monastic training and so it feels like a kind of um like as you come in like maybe somewhat parallel with us as lay people when we come into a retreat and we say okay you know I'm kind of undertaking this voluntary simplicity and yet even within that you know sometimes maybe you need to ask for something so I I just I think this is very interesting discernment both here on retreat and in our life um, to understand and to practice you know what is really what is really meant here. Yeah, and and the, another near enemy perhaps is what uh, my teacher Christina Feldman I heard her describe as bovine contentment, <laughs> which I think is not slightly insulting to cows. I achieved and are quite fond of cows, um, but I think you get the sort of drift, perhaps of just a, a, a sort of. Um, unthinking or mm, something just like you know that sort of state you get into maybe where you're just like I don't know slumped and just you're just chewing your cud you know whether that's thoughts or food or (laughs) Um, sort of slumped passive you know it's kind of it's not it's not that um Anyway, so again, something to maybe explore a little bit if you want. But um, so I'd like to share. I I don't know. I just I, this is this is from a a discourse from the Anguttara Nikaya, and I'll, I'll put it on the board. It's a from the Book of the Fours. I won't read the whole thing, but I I really wanted to share it with you because I think that although it's addressed to. Um, I think to monastics, I think it's so relevant for all of us. And I, um, I'm i going to read some parts of it and I'm going to change some of the language to make it more inclusive. So just invite you to listen. I won't read the whole thing and you can check it out on the board if you want to to see. So there is the case where a practitioner is content with any old robe cloth at all. The practitioner speaks in praise of being content with any old robe cloth at all. The practitioner does not, for the sake of robe cloth, do anything unseemly or inappropriate. Not getting cloth. The practitioner is not agitated. Getting cloth, the practitioner uses it and is not tied to it, uninfatuated, guiltless, seeing the drawbacks and discerning the escape from them. The practitioner does not on account of their contentment with any old robe cloth at all, exalt themselves 
will disparage others. <laughs> yeah? So I'll pause there. Pause. There's a lot in there. There's a lot in there. And I... I And then the same, the same thing applies with, with alms food and with lodging. And then with the practice. I think this is the part I particularly also wanted to lift up for us on retreat here as practitioners in a perhaps quasi-monastic situation. Um, and that something about finding contentment in the practice as it is, in the possibility of actually cultivating maybe I'll read it and then I'll try and say what I mean what I'm what, what, at least what touches me so much from this. The practitioner finds pleasure and delight in developing skillful mental qualities, finds pleasure and delight in abandoning unskillful mental qualities. The practitioner does not, on account of their pleasure and delight in developing and abandoning, exalt himself or disparage others. They are skillful, energetic, alert and mindful. So that I think that when I first read that, and, and, and even now, there's something to me so touching about the contentment that's possible in just in, in, in having the opportunity to develop wholesome states. Like, you know, that it's not, it's like, it's not contentment because I've done it right or I've got there or <laughs> I've achieved this or but that it's it's um we're in this process we're in the just by being here and having some intention and just I don't know there's something very to me very important in that and one of my teachers expressed it something like Finding contentment within the incompletion of our process. I think that's what, that's, that feels so important for me because somehow if we don't really, if we don't get that, we're always going to be like hung up on everything that's not done yet, everything that's not right, everything that's not healed and and somehow that sense of that the deepening in practice the deepening of our understanding is not so dependent on how we th- how we think it should be again on conditions of our mind around us being how we think they should be it's the the, the possibility of finding contentment within the incompletion of our process so that's for me, yeah. So there's more, and you can you can see for yourself. I also um, wanted to just give you one little example of how I feel this is so relevant and applicable for us, you know, outside of retreat. Um, 
in, in, in the world. Um, and I wanted to give you one example. I hope this is not disrespectful to anybody. But, um, uh, it's just, it's see. So uh, just as one example, maybe you could take something from your life or even something here on retreat and kind of put it in there and see what gets illuminated or encouraged. or fine. So, for example, th- there is a case where a practitioner is content with any old internet connection at all. The practitioner speaks in praise of being content with any old internet connection at all. The practitioner does not, for the sake of internet connection, do anything unseemly or inappropriate. Not getting internet connection the practitioner is not agitated. <laughs> Getting internet connection, the practitioner uses it and is not tied to it. Uninfatuated, guiltless, seeing the drawbacks and discerning the escape from them. So I won't labor it, but it's just... I have a sense this is very, very applicable. How do we come into wise relationship, you know, with with the things, with all the stuff of our life? As uh, yeah, yeah, it takes a lot of a lot of practice, a lot of discernment. I think a lot of yeah. So. So I also wanted to touch a little bit on, and I talked about this a few weeks ago, I can't quite remember when, but the, the sense of the, the far enemy, perhaps, of, of contentment being discontent and perhaps being able to just, probably for all of us, to, to sort of some degree, a lot of the time maybe, that that's sort of what we're, what we're dealing with is actually the, you know, the, the, the discontent that this either sense either very, very subtly or sometimes in a really strong way that, that we, we are in struggle with things, with our experience, with, with conditions, wanting them to be otherwise, you know, and this is the force of craving, tanha. So just sort of naming that as um, a kind of, not as a personal failing, not as something um, we're doing wrong or that shouldn't be happening, but it's sort of something that's there in our in our conditioning, in our predicament as a human being. And I think that's where the you know the practice of contentment is. It feels like it's such a it's it's so relevant if if we're if we're you know the way we're relating to the food and lodging and clothing and those all those things and and our practice to see how how much uh, to see to see more clearly how craving how that how that operates how it comes in and how to um, yeah how to how to practice with that and one one way that this is described 
is that we can recognize the activity of craving from the sense that what we have or what we are is not enough. Yeah, a sense of, of insufficiency, of lack, this feeling that somehow, you know, whatever there is or however I am, you know, not good enough, not enough. And and the and then what all the suffering that generates out of out of that. So being able to kind of expose that, this 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 belief that if we can only get something, if we can get the the things we need or think we, we must have or the you know, that, that that sense of then I will be okay or if I can just get rid of this. And and, and how just to see that more clearly and again on retreat such a great opportunity to to see how much that happens and to be able to challenge it to be able to question it to be able to expose it to be able to 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 um yeah even dislodge it perhaps for periods of time so i i to share i came up with these um this little sort of renunciation practice um with some phrases that just it kind of it's that displacement principle you know the buddha sometimes recommends with with things that you you sort of place a, a thought that kind of is a like a replacement or a, it's like it dislodges you know was that image of you you push um a peg a bigger peg a smaller peg to get rid of a bigger peg which is one or the other so for example just again just as a, as an example to counter the sense of of never never having enough to to say i have enough i have all i need i am blessed so and again not as an end point or as something to believe but as to me what when i particularly i have all i need you know some part of me goes you know you've got to be kidding or no i haven't <laughs> But then to me that's good because it's sort of, again, it's exposing that, you know, yeah, but, but uh, the fearful, needy, you know, sort of part. And, and I, then I can sense that there's something, yeah, there's something deeper than that, something about here and now, again, that plumbing the depths of this moment to really feel like what, what truly in this moment is lacking, you know. What, what, do, I, what do I really need? in order to be happy right now. It's that, do you see how, how that really asks us to kind of, hmm, kind of drop through the layers to, to just be right here and sense what might be possible for us. And again, whatever is happening in our inner life, in our outer life. Yeah. I am enough, or I am good enough to be at peace. And again, for me, that sort of picking up on that conditioning somehow that can drive so much of the discontent, somehow just not good enough. So to kind of just again directly challenge that uh, can be helpful. And um, there's a short poem from David White which maybe 
kind of just picks up and sort of illustrates the way this this idea of, of enough can can take us very very deep here and now. These few words are enough. If not these words, this breath. If not this breath, this sitting here, this opening to the life we have refused again and again, until now, until now. I think for me, one of the most powerful supports to or openings to this uh, contentment is gratitude. Gratitude. So I won't say too much about it, but just as a practice or as just something to notice that actually when we, when we feel grateful, we feel full, grateful. There's something about that which can really support that sense of uh, opening more to the fullness of, of what there is. Again, as a kind of antidote or a, to that sense of lack and insufficiency and nothing here or lonely or, you know, to gratitude. Very, very powerful very powerful reflection and I I don't know for you but I think for myself and for others I've come across as a transformative potential so I wanted to share another of these wonderful poems from the early Buddhist nuns that uh, expresses something of this this is from Punya, full. Fill yourself with the Dharma. When you are as full as the full moon, burst open, make the dark night shine. Fill yourself with the Dharma. When you are as full as the full moon, burst open, make the dark night shine. So maybe just another couple of 
pieces. Um, one one is the power of uh, recollection, remembering moments or times of contentment or deep peace or just even a little ease and actually the power of remembering bringing them to mind and kind of just taking in remembering that helps the mind helps the heart helps the body to kind of remember ah this actually does happen ah it is it is possible and through that somehow again that it becomes potentially more accessible here and now so yeah being able to uh, remember what that feels like you know it maybe even today or just some moments where there was some ease you know a little more ease ah yeah something the mind relaxed and opened a little or even I think sometimes to you know to use our imagination again the, the power of suggestion of the mind so what would it be like what would it feel like you know as a kind of see ah oh, let the mind the heart kind of maybe yeah tune into that and there's another 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 approach either memory recollection or just imagining suggesting what would it be like if Because I think for so many of us, you know, so much of our practice can very easily get caught up in what feels difficult and wrong and the problem that I'm working on and, you know, I've <laughs> got to get rid of it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm sure it's not just me, is it? No. And that this practice in different ways of being able to, ah, oh, where is the okayness? Oh yeah, actually. It's, it's uh, yeah, the suffering and the non-suffering. The discontent and the contentment. And that perhaps contentment is more accessible and more, yeah, more, yeah, more available than we think. Than we think. <laughs> yeah, and that's, the last piece I wanted to touch on, which is in meditation, in, in the way we explore and learn about um, the skillfulness of, of doing less, of, of simplifying, of refining, of, 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 of um, relaxing, settling back. All these may be different ways of talking about the same thing a kind of sense of trusting or the process of, of, the, of the Dharma in our being. Or appreciating just being here. It's these sorts of very simple kind of, yeah, the, 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 in the immediacy of our experience, there's, there's so much... Mm. For me, there's this this kind of contentment that is almost—it's just there. It's just a question of 
shifting our attention a little bit sometimes. And a little quote from Rodney, Rodney Smith about this. Practice takes us through the doing mind into the non-doing of ease and contentment. Yeah, practice takes us through the doing mind into the non-doing of ease and contentment. And it can feel very elusive, can't it? <laughs> very, yeah, well, maybe next week. Um, but maybe, you know, my wish would be for all of us that we can uh, taste some of this uh, true contentment here and now, just through a, a shift, a shift in view, a shift of attention. So much available in the, just in how, yeah, where, where are we looking? How are we looking? What are we looking for? <laughs> yeah. So um, I'll, I think I'll, I'll draw these reflections to a close with the wish that there might have been something helpful for you. Um, and this is also a, a beautiful poem was recently given to me by a, a nun who was on retreat here. And it's a poem by... Tejitsu, Japanese abbess of Hakujan, a 17th century um, practitioner. So she said, Standing on the small porch of Hakujan, she saw the shadow of a hungry crow and the shadow of a little wren cross the footpath. And she saw that the little wren arose, abided, and fell away. And then she saw that arising arose, abided, and fell away. She saw that knowing arose, abided, and fell away. Then she knew that there was nothing more than this. No ground, nothing to lean on, stronger than the cane she held. Nothing to lean upon at all, and no one leaning. And so she opened the clenched fist of her mind, and let go, and fell into the midst of everything.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.